Today I'll be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 through 23. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law, though I, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might have some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, last time I preached, uh, I shared with you a practice I like to do before I speak. Um, in Scripture, we see that the laying on of hands or the extension of hands is a way of uh, giving blessing or extending anointing. And so um, I want to pray for you. And if you're comfortable, I'd love it if you extend your hands and pray for me. Uh, just pray that God would speak. And I'm going to be praying that God would speak. So uh, let's extend hands and pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your word. Your word that is true, that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And God, we gather around it this morning to hear what you are saying to us. Lord, I pray for every heart, may it be fertile ground. I pray for every ear, may it be open. God, may people receive you today. May your voice be above all of the voices. Lord, I offer myself to you. Um, have your will and have your way in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is JD. I'm one of the pastors here at Pine Lake Covenant Church, and I am excited to be with all of you here uh, this morning for our community worship here in the gym. It's a different kind of a thing, but it's a thing that I love. Um, I've been at Pine Lake now for two months, and uh, if you're new here, you know, I understand the feeling because I'm still kind of new here. Uh, but one of the things that I'm learning about this place is that it's actually a very, very special place. Um, we're a church that exists and strives to love God, love people, and grow disciples. And we do it by creating places of authenticity and vulnerability where it's okay to not be okay. Uh, we do it in moments like this where all ages are all growing all the time. And, and, and we do it as a people who honestly have doubts. But in the midst of that, we pursue truth together as a community. I love this church, and I hope that if you're new here, um, this can be a place you might one day call your spiritual home. We've been in a sermon series called Hurt by Church, where we've been getting honest and real about the ways that we've been hurt by church or by how the church can hurt people. And we've been looking at this particularly through the lens of the first century church in Corinth. Now, Paul wrote several letters to this church. We have two of them in our Bibles. Uh, and we've been making our way through 1 Corinthians and looking at the way that he addresses their brokenness and unhealthiness. And so we've talked about being hurt by spiritual arrogance, judgmentalism, hypocrisy, broken sexuality, spiritual immaturity, unhealthy leadership. And last week, Pastor Mark shared about being hurt by freedom and how freedom can actually hurt people when it's used inconsiderately. And so this week, we're going to be looking at freedom from a different angle and asking the question, can our freedom be used in a positive way? So I'm calling this sermon, Hurt by Freedom, Part 2. Or Part Do... It's okay to laugh, by the way. That was a really cheesy joke, all right? <laughs> cheesy jokes are okay to be either laughed with or laughed at. I'm totally fine with that. And so Paul's answer to this question, right? 
It shows up in this passage in three observations, and we're going to explore it by looking at them. And the first thing we're going to observe is Paul's decision. The second thing we're going to observe is Paul's process. And the third thing is Paul's reason. So decision, process, and reason. That's where we're heading this morning. So let's jump in and look at Paul's decision. Right in the very beginning of this passage, Paul makes a decision. He says this in verse 19. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Now what's he talking about here? Well, Paul says that he is free. Free to be who he wants, free to do what he wants, free to be whatever, in any moment given in time. He's establishing his sense of freedom. Now, freedom is something that we are very familiar with in this country. In America, we have certain unalienable rights that we believe are endowed to every person. Thomas Jefferson, in his Declaration of Independence, writes the word liberty right in the middle. Pastor Nick mentioned so eloquently to us a few weeks ago. I grew up as the oldest of seven kids. So there's me, my sister Jennifer, and then my parents adopted five kids uh, during the years when I was in high school and in college. Now, I would love to say that I was like the cool older brother, or I was like, you know, I don't know, a really easygoing guy, but I kind of functioned as a third parent. And that's not really a fun thing to do. I mean, it's fun for me, but really not fun for them. And uh, there were so many situations, right, where I would come to them and I would say, look, you know... You, you, you can't do this. Or I would try to insert myself into their life. So when my sister was on the phone and she's talking to guys, I'd pick up the phone and I would hear it and I would go and unplug every phone line in the house, right? That kind of stuff. That's the kind of guy I was. And so um, they loved me, I think, and I love them, which is important. But this interesting thing is there would be times when I would say, hey, you can't do that. You know, you, 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 can't, you can't eat that before we have dinner. And they would say, well, it's a free country, isn't it? Or, hey, um, you know, you, we can't go there. Like, mom and dad were pretty clear. Like, do not go there. We have to stay here. Like, it's your job to stay here. Well, it's a free country, isn't it? Right? Or, um, hey, like, you really, 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 really should not do that. It's not good for your health. It's not good for, you know, whatever. Well, it's a free country, isn't it? Okay, what do they mean by, it's a free country? And that's how they talk, right? Younger siblings. <laughs> it's a free country. It meant that they could do whatever they wanted. It meant that they had the freedom to express themselves however they wanted, to be who they want, to do what they want. Cicero, the great Roman orator, statesman, and writer, says it this way. What then is freedom? It's the power to live as one pleases. Freedom is the ability to do whatever you want, to be whoever you want. And Paul is exactly saying that right in the beginning. He says, I'm free. I'm not bound by anything. I can do what I want. I can be who I want. He's totally liberated. He's, not, he's, he's spiritually free because Jesus has made him that way on the road to Damascus. He's relationally free because in chapter 7 he says he's single and, and the unmarried and the widow should stay like he does. And he's financially free because he's not collecting money from the Corinthians. He's like, I am free. Yet it's in this freedom that he makes a decision. And it's a rather strange one, actually. He says in verse 19 that he decides to be a slave. He uses his freedom to be bound to everyone. The closest picture that I can see to this is the picture of marriage. Uh, In my years of ministry as a pastor, I've had the privilege and honor of doing weddings. And weddings are a beautiful thing. They're some of the most intimate moments that you can walk with people And um, 
you know, you go through the vows and everyone's like, oh, you're my Kit Kat. Oh, no, you're my Snickers. And oh, we are in the same chocolate family. And oh, we were destined. And I love you. And we and God. And people cry, right? Or you're my Skittles to the rainbow and you're my leprechaun. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> but then we get to a part after the vows where we talk about the rings. Uh, some people like to say that this ring is a circle with no beginning and no end. It represents an eternity of love in which you will blossom and continue to grow. I like to say that um, I think of this ring as a miniature shackle. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is because when this ring is on my finger, it says that I am bound to someone. It says that I am spoken for. I am no longer free. I've made an intentional choice with my freedom to be bound to my wife, Sarah. And I've experienced this freedom, loss of freedom, intentional choice with my, with my uh, wife. So before I married her, I was free, right? I could dress however I wanted and wear wherever I want and I can do whatever I want. Well, in the first year of our marriage, all of my clothes started mysteriously disappearing. <laughs> Not all at once, right? That favorite t-shirt that I got at some college giveaway just vanished, right? And it has like five holes, but who cares, I got it at the table, you know, it's important, right? This gym short thing that was like holy, not in like a holy way, but like a real holy way, gone. But then it started getting replaced with other shirts and colors like salmon <laughs> and skinny jeans that I had to figure out how to wear because how do you even breathe when you're wearing skinny jeans? My whole wardrobe changed. And I've talked about this before when I was candidating, but the system of how I wear clothes has changed, right? I've talked about this. These are my outside clothes. And when I'm outside, I have outside clothes that I wear. But when I go inside, I get out of my outside clothes and I wear my home clothes. And when I'm at home, I wear my home clothes. And it's usually a t-shirt and a short or something like that. But then if I want to go to bed, I have to get out of my home clothes into my bed clothes. And that's also a t-shirt and a short, which kind of looks the same, but they're not the same. <laughs> They have been deeded as different. And if I want to go back into the house, I have to take off my bed clothes, put on my house clothes, and then go. And then if I want to take out the trash, oh my gosh, I have to get into some outside clothes, and then I have to go out, and I have to come back. Look, it's a complicated system, but I actually prefer it now. That's what's so crazy about all of it. After 10 years of marriage, I love my outside clothes and my home clothes. I'm going to Campbell Farm, and I've packed home clothes and outside clothes and bed clothes. See, when we talk about freedom, you can use it like my siblings did to justify recklessness or the ability to justify one's behavior or to say, I can do whatever I want. I can be whoever I want. It doesn't matter. You can't speak. It's a free country, isn't it? It's a free world, isn't it? I'm free. Am I not? Yes, you are. Or like in the picture of marriage, you can make a conscious decision and use it in an intentional way. You can say, I'm going to be bound to someone. I'm going to wear this mini shackle to be reminded of that. Paul intentionally chooses to use his freedom not to be bound to one person, but he says that he makes himself a slave to everyone. And he does this because he believes in a deeper purpose for his life. How do you use your freedom? Do you use it for your own comfort or your own choices, your pleasures or your own livelihood? Or is it guided by something deeper, something more intentional? 
See, I think we concern ourselves greatly about whether or not we have freedom. But see, in this country, we fight for it, we protect it, and all of that is incredibly important, especially in situations where injustice is experienced or when we're fighting for a right that people don't have around the world. I grew up in a military family. I understand that. But the reality is many of us, we have freedom. And the question is not whether or not we have it, but it's rather what we choose to do with it. And Paul's decision is clear. He says, I'm free, but I'm not going to use it for myself. I'm going to use it for something that goes beyond just me. He consciously uses his freedom for a deeper purpose. That's Paul's decision. Now let's take a look at his process. So Paul says that he's a slave to everyone. In the following verses, there are four groups that are identified. The Jews, those under the law, those outside the law, and the weak. Now, we could go into how scholars think these words are connected to different things. Some of it's clear, some of it's not. But the short of it is, is that it's everybody that he's talking about. From Paul's perspective, there isn't a person in his world or in the world of Corinthians that doesn't fit under this umbrella. The Jews, right, were Paul's people, some of whom are now straight opposing him. And those under the law were maybe practicing Jews or part of Peter's group, those who were religiously obligated to follow a system of legalism to which he no longer adhered. Those outside the law were the Gentiles, right? Everyone who was a non-Jew and to whom the Jews thought salvation did not and could not go to. And the weak is most likely a reference to those who struggled with a weak conscience. Young disciples and believers in the church, like Pastor Mark talked about last week. Well, Paul binds himself to everyone. He changes who he is depending on the situation that he's in. And when you look at this, you might think, well, that's pretty easy because they're like the same, right? He's talking about these groups of people. Well, the truth is they're actually radically different. The Jews and the Gentiles clashed. It was ethnic. It was cultural. We see it all throughout the Bible. How many of you guys have seen the movie Hidden Figures? Yeah? I love that film. All right, I'm staying with the Greenbergs. I always say their name wrong. The Greenbergs. Staying with them. And every Friday night, we watch, we have pizza on movie night. It's a religious thing that we do in that house. <laughs> and we watch Hidden Figures, and we always get the same kind of pizza. And we watched this movie this last week, and, and it was so awesome watching. Barb doesn't know I'm going to share about this, but she's right over there. Um, it was so funny watching her get so worked up. I can't believe this is real. I can't believe that we did that to each other. Black and white. We're all the same, but we're not. Like, wh- how? Jews and Gentiles, very similar. Hated each other clashed a lot right those who were under the law right we're talking about the torah the first five books of the bible and some laws that were added in its jewish history there are 613 commandments that they follow those who were under the law followed 613 commandments those who were not under the law they don't care about the commandments they don't even care about one of them not bound by 613 But what Paul is saying is that when he was with the Jews, he was kosher. And when he was with the Gentiles, he was non-kosher. And when he was with those who were under the law, he followed the commandments like they did. And when he was with those who weren't, he did whatever they did, and he was not bound by any of the 613. Now, what does this say about him and his process? Paul is an apostle. He's one of the greatest leaders of the church. It says that he wasn't too proud or that he thought of himself too highly to make people adjust to him. There are people like that, right? Leaders and and just individuals, when, when you're around them, it's like you feel like you have to change the way you talk. You have to change the way you walk or even the way you approach them. Paul says, I'm free and I'm apostle. I have authority. 
And instead of asking people to come to where I'm at, instead of asking them to come up, I'm going to go down. I'm going to meet them where they are. His process was that he changed himself to match whoever he was connecting with. He was a chameleon, a social expert. He was literally a human transformer. Yeah, this is the real Optimus Prime from the 80s, not the fake one that's in all the Transformer movies. You just need to establish that fact, right? You know, Optimus Paul, right? Transformers, pastor in disguise. Another cheesy joke, it's okay to laugh at me, I'm all right. I grew up as a military brat. and grew up around military bases, went to schools that were in those neighborhoods, and it's a very, very interesting crowd. We all get displaced every three years. Right, we're all halfies of some sort. It's just an interesting mix. One of the things uh, that I did when I was in high school, that's JD in high school, not JD last week. Um, yeah, that was before the K-pop days with the red hair. But when I was in high school, I read this verse. Right, I had become all things to all people. And I wanted to learn how to connect with every group on campus. Okay, now I'm going to talk about stereotypes. I hate stereotypes. But stereotypes are, they exist because some of what's in them is true. And so, you know, everyone knows in high school you have different groups. You have the high, you have like the nerds, super geeky people. Then you have like the athletes and the cheerleaders and the jocks, right? And then you have like the band nerds, which is a different kind of nerd than the geeky people. And then you have like the fobs, which means fresh off the boat, you know, which means that they're coming to the country and I, I came from Korea, so I was a fop. Um, so you have them, right? And I learned how to talk with all these different groups. All right? And so when I would go to my geeky friends, I would say, hey, how are you going? How are you doing? Oh, it's great to see you. Hey, how was your weekend? It was wonderful. Hey, you know what? I checked out that article, and you're right. You know, a, a, a great response to Queen's Gambit is, is Sicilian Dragon, you know? But by move 13, I think that pawn is compromised, which means that you're going to probably lose the game by move 26. They would be like, yeah, I think that's appropriate, but it doesn't matter because, you know, Kasparov did this against and whatever. And we would talk, right? And we'd just say, hello, nice to meet you. Like when you go to the jocks or the athletes, right, it's a little different. It would go something like this. <laughs> Secret handshake, if you can tell. Has like 20 moves, okay? And I would just be like, yo, man, what's good? Chilling. Yeah, me too, bro. You good? That's it. You walk away. You don't need to say anything else. I know everything he did this weekend. He's happy. Yeah, he knows everything I did, right? We had an exchange, right? When I'm talking to the band nerds, that's a whole different story. Oh, my God. Did you see the Blue Devils? DCI. Oh. My name is JD, right? But my drumline friends call me Jud because Jud, JD, when you put it together, it's Jud. And when you hit a drum, it's like so I went by Jud. <laughs> Communicated with them. Then when you see the Koreans, right? I'm like, Annyeong, chingwa, jajinasa, awadamanida, jawa. You gotta embrace it, right? <laughs> all things to all people is what Paul says. And look, it, it is a little crazy. It's really exhausting. It's sometimes very, very uncomfortable. But Paul's process is that he changed himself to match others. He didn't care about the way he looked. He didn't care if he was perceived as hypocritical. He didn't care. 
If he had to do things that seemed like they were completely antithetical to each other, he did it so he could be a bridge and connect with people. He would sit down and eat with the Jews and not touch pork. And then when a Gentile friend said, yo, I got some ribs, he would say, dude, took me up. (laughs) That's what he did. We looked at Paul's decision, right, to use his freedom in an intentional way, and we looked at his process of how he changed himself to match whoever he was coming to. And now we have to ask ourselves, why, why does he do this? Because this is not normal behavior. It's not average behavior. It's not what we do as human beings. It's actually very, very strange. Right? If we're honest with ourselves, if I'm honest with myself, I don't use my freedom consciously for a deeper purpose all the time. I use my freedom to be free. I do what I want with my time, with my life. If someone starts telling me how I should raise my kid or they should do stuff, you know, especially if it's on a YouTube video, I unclick that thing. I don't want to hear that. I'm my own person. I can make my own choices. We don't adjust ourselves to other people. We expect them to come to where we are or to stay with people. And, 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 and we, we expect, like, okay, if you come to my house, I'm kind of a type A personality. If you use my kitchen, I expect that that frying pan is where it is and it's cleaned the proper way. And I'm not proud of it. But I don't adjust myself to people in those situations. If we're honest with ourselves, what Paul is talking about is not normal. We just don't do it. We fail utterly, actually. So why did Paul do it, and how could he do it, right? So let's talk about his reason as we get to this end. Why did Paul do this? In verses 20 to 22, he hints at, at this all throughout the passage, right? He uses the, win, the word win four times, to win the Jews, to win those in the law, to win those not having the law, to win the weak. But the last word is the key. The verb changes at the very end when he says, I did it to save some. And if there's any doubt in your mind to what Paul is talking about, the last verse, verse 23, reveals it clearly. I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. Paul gives up his freedom. He gives up his own identity by adjusting to others all for the sake of the gospel. Now what is this gospel? Paul writes in a different letter to the Philippians and and this is what he says, chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave. He became human. And a God, having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Jesus left heaven, gave up glory, gave up power, gave up the worship of angels, the comfort of being next to his father. He came down and took on human flesh. Can you imagine all of that luminous light, the one who created the earth, enshrouded in this? He created this. He does that. And then he goes to the cross and dies on our behalf so we can have love and reconciliation with God. And for Paul, this was everything. It transformed who he was, the way that he saw his life, the way that he saw the world. He believed that that same love that was real in his own heart that kept him going time after time after time was the same for every single person he encountered. 
So it doesn't matter if he looks like a fool. It doesn't matter if he looks like a hypocrite. It doesn't matter if he's inconsistent. What matters is that he's acting as a bridge. And when people encounter him, they encounter the love of Jesus. Paul's decision is that he uses freedom in a conscious way. Paul's process is that, he, that, that he, you change yourself. He changes himself to connect with those around him. And his reason is the gospel that changes lives. How are you using your freedom? Are you becoming all things to all people like Christ did for us? It's the gospel that compels us. It's the reason we do all that we do. It's the reason why we meet here. Are we doing this as a church? Are we using our freedom and changing ourselves, living and loving out of the gospel? I don't know about you, but when I walk into a coffee shop here on the plateau or I go into the grocery store, there are a lot of people who are different. And we have to ask the question, are are we saying, hey, we want you to change, to be like us before you can come and belong with us? Or are we saying that we're willing to go down? Change ourselves because we experience a love that says that that love is also meant for them. This morning, we're going to be having communion. And as we approach the table, and as we look at Paul's life, and as we look more specifically at Jesus, I want us to have a moment of confession. And this is how we're going to do it. Uh, In a moment, I'm going to introduce a moment of silence. I'm going to pray us into it. And in the silence, I just want you to reflect on those questions. Are we doing this as individuals? Are we doing this as a church? Ask the Holy Spirit to show you and confess. And after a bit, I'll pray us out, and then we will recite a prayer of confession together that will be on the slide behind us. And so uh, let's enter into silence now. And then we'll close the silence with a collective prayer. Father, you are so good. Jesus, what an example you set for us. Holy Spirit, as we enter into silence, would you speak to us and reveal the areas where we have fallen short? We confess to you now as we enter into silence together. Father, forgive us for our sins as individuals. Now we collectively pray this prayer together as a church. Let's pray this together. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, forgive us for the ways we have selfishly used our freedom, for the ways we have not embraced those around us, And for the ways we have not honored you in our lives. Forgive us, O Lord. Have mercy on us, we pray. Amen. The good news is that in Jesus we have forgiveness. So hear these words of assurance from 1 John. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness.